0: (sweak) Thank you. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to episode 7 of the Combat Chain Podcast, I'm your host uh, Adam Philipchek. and uh, I'm not going to beat around the bush, uh, I'm just going to get right into it. Uh, we've had a change in, uh, in hosts, um, Andrew and Jeff have both decided to uh, leave the podcast uh, they've decided to go on and do other things, and um, I wish them all the best uh, moving forward, but the show must go on, and uh, I went and I reached out and um, uh, managed to find uh, somebody else who is interested in making um, making content and uh, keeping the combat chain going, and I'd like to introduce to everybody uh, Pat Shaw. Pat, how's it going?
1: Hey! Adam, it is uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm super pumped uh, to be on the combat chain with you, and uh, uh, I'm excited for this episode and and, uh, what we can do together.
0: Awesome. That, uh, that makes me so excited to hear. So for, uh, I guess it's, uh, it's 2022 new year, new us, uh, a lot has changed, uh, in these past couple weeks for myself. So Pat and I got connected after, um, I got recruited by, uh, another individual by the name of Max Thomas. For those of you who don't know, he's, uh, he runs a, a weekly event called the Fighters Guild, uh, Monday nights on Discord. Uh, he also does some content. He, uh, He's, um, written for the Wraith Times, uh, really great guy, uh, super skilled player. Um, he's put together a testing team. Uh, right now we're focusing just on the, uh, 2022 ProQuest season. Uh, who knows where it'll go moving forward. And, um... I met, uh, I, had would interacted with Pat, um, prior to on different, uh, different events. Uh, we've seen each other in kitchen table games events. Uh, I, I reached out in, uh, in Max Thomas's, uh, group and, uh, Pat reached out, uh, said he'd also been looking at creating content. Pat's a bit newer to the game. Uh, he's been playing since Monarch. Uh, but uh, and I'll let him I'll let him introduce himself a little bit better but uh, uh, a few uh, impressive accolades already he's managed to take down a, uh, a fighters guild event uh, which is saying something uh, there's some pretty good players who show up for that uh, on top of that he's uh, managed to come in top four in uh, a, a 64 player uh, skirmish in season 3 here uh, so right off the bat uh, Pat's shown some uh, some promise in, in Flesh and Blood, and I know he's uh, super keen on uh, testing hard and uh, hitting the 2022 ProQuest season head-on. But uh, to tell a little bit more about himself, Pat, why don't you uh, tell us how you got into TCGs, your, your background, and, and what you're hoping to, uh, to accomplish.
1: Sure. Um, so uh, I started playing uh, Magic the Gathering as many people have. Uh, I started in 1997. Um, I think it makes me kind of a boomer uh, in the magic world. But uh, I picked up my first uh, Portal demo pack from an Electronic Gaming Monthly magazine um, when I was nine years old. (laughs) And uh, I made my parents start buying me Portal starter uh, decks and uh, uh, starter set cards uh and uh, really never looked back so played casually for you know call it 15 20 years through high school um played a lot of just you know built decks through trading and cracking packs and doing it the old school way uh all the way up through until um magic online you know comes out in 20 odd two um started playing that a little bit uh trying to get a little competitive on that uh you know on and off for a little while uh stayed with it um but uh, started trying to get competitive in 2015 and cons uh con standard made it to a ptq um in west virginia uh with uh uh, the very last PTQ before they changed the system to the PPTQs. Uh, so it was in that. Um, I've never really done anything super competitive on, on Magic, um, but after, uh, you know, so it did that. Uh, started getting into commander big um and so before the pandemic i was getting very much into commander in the edh scene um and uh so started really focusing my efforts as a casual magic player uh collecting um and just you know brewing building um once the pandemic hit um you know found uh, found discord spell table edh online uh discord and played uh super heavily equipped myself to play online um uh for the for the next couple of years through that um and uh kind of uh i suppose with that access is kind of a double-edged sword you have all these games to play and uh um magic ended up being something that wasn't that fun for me anymore after so long um and uh you know there's a myriad of reasons product burnout um you know power level conversations trying to find uh the right game for the right environment and uh um in uh in May, May June ish, is it was the release of Monarch Unlimited? Um, I started uh, getting into Flesh and Blood. Uh, Flesh and Blood is something that's been on my radar since 2019. Um, I've been watching Rudy, you know, Alpha Investments uh, and other kind of content like that. Uh, so I've heard of Flesh and Blood for a while, and it's it's one of the first games that really kind of piqued my interest. Is Magic for 20 plus years at this point, and um, so um, once I once I kind of realized I was getting out of magic at the same time, I uh, decided to see what else was out there and I went into flesh and blood. And, uh, when I started playing flesh and blood, I realized that it was, you know, it was the game I should have been playing, uh, the whole time. The, uh, the type of magic game that I wanted to play, uh, was so hard to find, but, um, that kind of interactive combat-based uh, balanced environment is what Flesh and Blood brings to the table. Um, so al- already being set up online play uh, with EDH, I've been playing Flesh and Blood uh, obsessively, uh, we'll be honest, um, for for the better part of the year. Um, I do a lot of travel for work, uh, but part of that travel has enabled me to uh, put in a lot of time uh, off the clock into uh, flesh and blood so i've been uh extensive online play i participate in as many armories as i can uh as i can uh you see me a lot on the main server you know kitchen table uh, obviously the fighters guild um and uh just constantly jamming games um and uh i think in the last few months in particular i've really turned a corner um in my play uh really honing it you know realizing that this game is you know the game that i feel like i've been meant to play uh so um i'm kind of exploring where i can take that uh competitively so that uh you know taking my uh, play more seriously my deck construction more seriously. Um, Trying to rack up some wins and XP. I just cracked uh, top 290 day, which was is big for me. Um, something that I've been tracking and trying to get, uh, trying to get up there. Uh, I'd like to get into the top 100 and maintain that, uh, uh, and seeing where that goes. Um, so part of that uh, that journey has led me to a lot of different highly ranked, you know, competitive players and community. Uh, you know content uh, creators and i've had a blast interacting with everybody talking with them playing with them um and it was playing against uh guys l- like in the fighters guild that made me realize that i might have uh you know might have something to contribute to the game and uh so uh this is the first game i felt like i want to talk about and uh you know this is why i jumped on the opportunity to be on the podcast with you and i'm happy to be here i love flesh and blood I love talking about it i like thinking about it i like building decks i like doing everything flesh and blood related so that's what i'm here to do and uh, like i said thanks thanks for having me and uh, i'm so excited to have you aboard uh your your energy
0: and um your enthusiasm is palpable uh i uh, i'm really excited to see what uh uh, you and myself can do together, uh, working on uh, the content that we're, uh, we're hoping to create. Before we get into the news of the week, Andrew, Jeff, and I would always kind of just recap our our week in, in flesh and blood and, and talk about if we had any kind of interesting matches or insights or anything like that. And uh, just quickly, why don't you, uh, I, I know you said uh, when we were chatting before the episode, you said you did have one match uh, that you, were, uh, you really wanted to highlight. So why don't you let us know about it?
1: Sure. Um, So I'm on the uh, I'm I'm a member of the Kitchen Table uh, TCG server, um, and uh, they have a monthly league. Uh, I had my first round matchup um, uh, the other night, and uh, I'm playing Bravo uh, this month. Uh, It's the first time um, in a while that I've played Bravo. Bravo is kind of my um, back to the basics hero. Um, So I've been, you know, I've been on a briar kick for for a while and uh so you get kind of get lost in the you know the aggro shuffle there a little bit uh bravo i find is one of those heroes that uh really lets you get down to the basics and being good at bravo i think makes you uh good at the game at general so i like to bust that out every once in a while uh so my first uh, my first round matchup was against the raiden bolton um it was uh a really back and forth affair um uh, I think it was uh, one of the games where I needed to focus on correct discipline plays, p- you know, correct pitch. Um, I got some some nasty habits of wanting to do all the things with all the cards and making the discipline block play, and uh, you know, s- things like saving armor late, arsenaling your, uh, you know, arsenaling your pummels, um, you know, being okay with attacking with Anathos and not trying to. Uh, 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 overreach um, and uh, setting up for big turns are all things that you need to do with Bravo and uh, it was a a game that if I think had I not tried to uh, be so disciplined um, in that I would have lost I was able to get some timely sigil of solace late in the game to add 9 life to my total which definitely helped and uh, was able to set up for a solid end game with a a dominated uh, uh, spinal crush When he was at two uh, with no armor left, and that sealed the game. And uh, it was uh, one of those ones. It took a while. My adrenaline was pumping. It was one of those games that you know, you you just feel feel the intensity about, even if it's just this. You know, it's between two. You know, uh, it's a it's a preliminary matchup in a in Swiss. Um, But that kind of uh, uh, it's one of those kind of games that remind me just how good uh, flesh and blood is, uh, and how viable all the heroes are with a good pilot. The, the Bolton pilot was very, very good. Um, so it was, uh, definitely put me through the, uh, through my, uh, through my paces to get through that match one piece. So I was happy I did. And it was a fun game. And, uh, no, this and
0: that's a uh, super, uh, super cool to hear i uh i definitely like the parts where you talk about making the discipline plays um i think that's where uh when we've talked about it before on the show um like your game plan knowing what your game plan is and committing to that game plan and not deviating from it and I, i've said this before where like sometimes the game plan is to know to pivot and know when to pivot and maybe like for the first half of the game you're gonna apply pressure in the second half of the game you're gonna you're gonna try to fatigue them out but you need it to kind of like deal it like if you're if you need to deal some damage first just to kind of bring the game into a a winnable place versus other times where the game plan is to know like right off the bat i need I, i need to be on the back foot i need to play defensively and like you said protect your armor and wait till you kind of just chip them down with the nothos into that late game that's when you had your opportunity to dominate and uh, win the game out because you still had your armor and you still probably had a little bit of life and you had the resources you needed to be able to enact your your win condition and uh patience the the patience that you, you you demonstrated in that game is what allowed you to win it. And um I, I think that's such a good example of yeah, sticking to your game plan. Um mm-hmm, and even on the definitely and, sorry, go ahead.
1: Honestly, Bravo is one of those heroes where like you you uh um it's it's so antithetical, like I said, from what I'm I'm used to with like Briars and like other aggro decks where like especially early game like you're gonna block out with your hand you know you might have something set up with a defense reaction in arsenal or something like that but you're still thinking about like okay it is okay here to block out um you're not necessarily losing tempo here this is what this deck wants to do it's defensive heavy um and uh you know, kind of recognizing that for me it's one of those things where it's like okay this is this is a defensive hand i'm okay with losing it um i'm gonna i'm gonna draw up and uh when i'm ready to pivot i'll see it and uh it's not now so i'm okay with you know uh putting these cards uh in the bin for now yeah um and that's 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 what i was gonna add to that no
0: and that's that's perfect and it's yeah recognizing that yeah just like you said like oh i've got a defensive hand like i think so many people are are so inclined to be like oh this even if my game plan was to fatigue like this is such a good hand that i i want to play this hand out i want to take the damage for it but like if your game plan is fatigue for example you need to preserve as much life as possible because sometimes that one or two life points at the end will make the difference and Mm -hmm. if you weren't playing that true dedicated fatigue right from the beginning you're you're not going to make you're not going to make the distance and to even further this example if I can touch into my last week in fab. I had one really good game that uh, actually came down to that one last life point. I uh, I was playing prison fatigue into a chain and I had my sideboard kind of set up for fatigue. I had sinks and fates and I knew going into the chain match, I was like, I, I, I think the only way I win this is if I fatigue it. I And I managed to like, I think, I won the dice roll i got to go second and i managed to get one or two hits right in at the beginning and then he started to finally be able to apply some real pressure and i had to take the back foot i was still i think i was still at 40 health when he applied to pressure so i was able to start um start on the back foot where i wanted to be but i remember even like getting down to kind of the starting to get like from the mid game into the late game and i'm down to maybe 18 17 16 health somewhere around there and he's on soul shackle four and i'm thinking like i'm not gonna win this game and i've got that sinking feeling in my chest and i just had to you know what i had to pick myself back up and go you know what no stick to the game plan let's ride it out to the end play to your out um and it came down to the bitter end i I was making the jankiest plays to uh, to keep my my shields up to protect myself from his um, from his arcane damage, doing things like uh, blocking um, blocking Rosetta with a, a soul shield like that is not a value oh, yeah. block that yeah. is not efficient <laughs> but i recognized that i needed to that that was my out to to keep making right? shields playing,
1: playing to your outs oh. just because no one else knows what's going on yeah doesn't mean you do yeah you know? and uh yeah
0: i got like that he brought me down to one and uh i managed to just barely fatigue him got him on the blood debt and uh um that was sa- just like pat describes his match like that one was uh the adrenaline rush and uh um felt good to 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 manage to bring it out i actually managed to um that was the match that decided uh on my friday night armory allowed me to to win my uh my valda for the month so that was pretty exciting and then uh that also that little bit of xp put me up into for the first oh lovely that's gonna ping right on our uh our uh our we're real people you know (laughs) (laughs) managed to put me into to first place on the uh the top 90 day canadian leaderboard so that was pretty exciting as well um
1: well congratulations thanks pat on reaching number one
0: so i've been i've been able to hold down number one for about four or five days now and we'll see uh We'll see how long I can hold it down for. We've got some pretty strong players here in Canada. I mean, you guys do too in the states, uh, but um, all of North America
1: is definitely very strong. It's that's a great player base up there. I think it seems you know there. You guys are pretty spread out, anyways. Because yeah, Canada and but sorry, go ahead. You, no, you just uh, it's uh, it's a uh, I think it's a high concentration of um, very competitive players. Um, I get very afraid running into a Canadian player when I know they're from there. <laughs> that makes me... Because uh, I know I know it's going to be a very tough matchup no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes me
0: glad to hear that us uh, our, us Canucks are keeping pace with uh, everybody else. That's our, our, our week, uh, our, our interesting matches in Flesh and Blood this week. Um, we've got a little more news to, to dip into and then into the main topic. Um, before we get into... Kind of the main news talking about. We're going to be talking about more about spoilers. We have a, a lot going on there. Uh, but before that, um, just quickly, Card Market is now uh, officially. Uh, signed up. They've acknowledged Flesh and Blood. They're doing the they're doing the thing. They've got their own page for it, um, so that's uh, that's cool. Uh, following ranks, uh, following suit with um, CFB and TCG Player, and we're we're seeing bit by bit the game's growing, um, and more and more people are picking it up and acknowledging it, and that's uh, that's really cool for the game elsewhere and use Um, this isn't directly flesh and blood related but it it, it does impact us and I think it's something important for us to talk about because Of the fact that we, within our community, we, and and something that people, especially people who come from Magic, are always so quick to pick up on is how inclusive we are and how accepting and welcoming we are. And how everybody belongs, Um, the collectors, the players, the competitive players, the casual players, uh, everybody comes in all forms shapes sizes colors uh orientations like we welcome everybody and we're unapologetic about that and i think that's so cool and a platform that is commonly used to to test and play flesh and blood um tts there was some controversy with the developers berserk games that i think we should acknowledge because we have the opportunity as um, a player base to kind of Choose and vote about where we, where we spend our time and the platforms we use. Pat, I'm actually going to cut to you to get you to tell us a little
1: bit more about it. Uh, the Cliff note version is that uh, user Zoe Allred uh, was getting kicked uh, in uh, chat rooms for using the word gay um, while other, other words like straight and cis were being ignored. Uh, she had a pretty negative interaction with a moderator. TTS has since pulled the chat um, temporarily, um, and has released a statement you know condoning or uh, uh, condemning the conduct of of the moderator and they said quote uh tabletop simulator has not and does not condone equating sexual orientation gender identity with fetishes politics or anti-family friendly sentiment i think that's uh trading card games in their communities in general uh not to get on a soapbox but i think uh are like you had mentioned uh very inclusive but i think it's a, a pretty good reminder that it's a very uh it very quickly and easily can become a toxic environment for uh, a specific uh, section of that community and, uh, you know, you kind of have to be mindful of, uh, you know, w- what you're saying, who you're saying it to, um, you know, at all times because you, you don't know who could be negatively affected by, uh, you know, your your words or your policies uh, there. So, um you know i think flesh and blood in particular um has uh, uh picked up the mantle of inclusivity um you know there's some other trading card communities out there that have gotten toxic uh over time um but um i like i like where flesh and blood stands at the moment um Uh, you know, uh, I support the, uh, inclusivity of everyone, um, you know, as you do as well. Um, and, uh, I think we're, we're proud of, uh, the flesh and blood community as a whole, uh, for, you know, kind of standing up to that. And it's definitely something that, uh, you know, we, we should be keeping our eye on. Um, you know, so not just in flesh and blood, but elsewhere, you know, the TTS is, is aware of that, how they handle that situation is, is going to be a telling, uh, uh, you know, a telling indicator of, uh, you know, how they feel moving forward and, you know, if you uh, agree or disagree uh, with what they're doing, then, you know, there, there are definitely ways that you can, you can show that, you know, either through your wallet or uh, otherwise
0: yeah yeah and uh further to, to kind of follow up on that uh now some response a little more response from tt or berserk games as well the one thing they did do is they did take down their global chat there is no global chat feature in tts currently and i don't know if that's the right answer it helps level the playing field i guess but it's still i think pushes away it kind of makes the message that like we just don't want to touch the subject so i guess short term it's an okay response but long term i think they need to show a little bit more just to kind of help exemplify that hey we are an ally and we are um on the right team yeah the ball's in uh, for a platform that's so widely used for us um as flesh and blood players uh, the ball's in berserker games court um whether they decide to really make this right this wrong right or they um, just kind of go, uh, they, they try to sweep it under the rug, time will tell um, should the latter occur. I think it's important uh, for us as players to kind of go, you know what? no, we're not okay with that. Um, and either demand demand that they they make wrongs right or, turn to another platform, whether that be, uh, there's a, a ton of online platforms popping up right now. Um, uh, felt tables, one of them, flesh and blood online.com. Um, I know I was doing a little bit of digging today and I found tabletopia kind of has a workshop set system just like, um, TTS does. Uh, and furthermore, uh, tabletopia can be played on the iPhone. So that'd be sweet. I could play flesh and blood at work. I'd be stoked over that. Um, so Mm-hmm. We'll, mm-hmm. Uh,
1: any opportunity to play flesh and blood at exactly and i can just
0: kick i can delete arena off my phone then i don't have to play arena anymore but on the tail end of that some huge 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 news is literally dropping right now
1: uh as we're recording this is a good omen this is this is great. Yeah, this is fantastic. It is this is the kind of energy we bring to the flesh and blood community. We force LSS to take immediate action. So, for those who
0: aren't aware yet, by the time I think this will be pretty. By the time this episode's live, this will be pretty well in circulation. Everybody will be aware. But up right now, I
1: I have chills. We're scooping this. We're scooping. This it. is a hot. This is it. Th- this is your. This is the. This is the hottest. The hottest of the hots, yeah. right here. Unbelievable. Banned
0: and restricted <laughs> announced, uh, banned and restricted. announcement update. Uh, there is a functional errata on Briar. Um, so Briar now reads, the first time an action card you control deals damage to an opposing hero each turn, create an embodiment token. You are now only able to make one embodiment per turn. Furthermore, we are seeing ball lightning banned in classic constructed. Plunder Run, Band in Classic Constructed, Ball Lightning, Band in Blitz, and Dustblade, Band in Blitz.
1: That is a whole lot to unpack right there. That is, there's a lot going on there.
0: Now, um, this is so fresh that I haven't even had a chance to read this whole article yet. Um, but I, I'm just picking through, and I've noticed, like, uh, they're, they're talking about. Um, this past national season, Briar made up 63% of the living legend points. And that is the biggest reason they are, uh, they are making this change, this emergency change. We weren't supposed to get our next BNR announcement till February 2nd. And they didn't want to meddle with, the the, 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 the meta mid season. And they've decided that this is so pressing that they need to de- address this right away. Um, I think this is a really good thing from LSS because it, like, like Pat just said, this shows that a, everything that we were saying as the player base, is being acknowledged. B, it shows that LSS, like I've said in the past, is is willing to put the player base first. They don't, you know, they're not like well. And we saw this when they were when they came out and said that when they came out and said that 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 duskblade was too powerful for cc and um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we we've seen you know in seeds getting banned because they didn't want chain to be too oppressive like we've seen that lss cares and this is just a further confirmation of that
1: my personal opinion is that uh i think Plunder run is a victim of ubiquity but there's a lot of cards that can be considered ubiquitous yeah in in flesh and blood and i think that like I just think that opens up a bit, but I, I get it. I get it. I don't have a deck that doesn't run Plunder Run. So that, (laughs) that should have been telling me something, I suppose. I was really, I knew that the word, I knew there was rumblings. I knew that the player base kind of wanted to see Plunder Run out. Um, Good, you know, once you're running nine of a card like that, then that's when things get, uh, you know, know that's when then the red flags start popping up yeah exactly i'll tell you what ball lightning is a little little surprising there that one surprised Uh, me too um i guess that's um uh did they give a give a good reason yeah well let's let's uh do you mind if i just uh read it off here let's see well let's go Uh, we'll start on the plunder run all right um It is normal, this is straight from from the website here. It is normal for six to nine copies of Plunder Run to be included in Briar and Chain decks. Uh, While drawing multiples of this card is clunky, it takes a full turn cycle to set it up for maximum impact. This card is often a linchpin of the spikiest turn that are often er erect. Uh, irre- irrecoverable from. That's a good word. Uh, the release of both Lightning Press and Spellbound Creepers has added additional potency to an already pushed card effect. Uh, of concern, even more so than the power level of the card, is the play experience it creates. Plunder Run frequently makes hand evaluation default to defend with my entire hand and hope for the best. We believe this play pattern that occurs multiple times per game due to the prevalence of Plunder Run is not aligned with positive play experience. Uh, Referring to Ball Lightning, Ball Lightning looks innocuous on the surface and does lend itself to some interesting gameplay. The decision to ban Ball Lightning is mostly centered around reducing the consistency of the Briar deck in support of opening the door to other aggressive decks to re-enter the metagame. Ball Lightning typically is played as a 6-of in Classic Constructive and 4-of in Blitz, giving Briar decks the critical mass of Lightning cards for fuse effects, attack action cards that Weave Lightning can buff, and perhaps most importantly, attack action cards with unconditional go-again. With all ball, without Ball Lightning, card selection tension and trade-offs exist when considering Briar deck construction. Ball Lightning tick too many boxes. Post-Errata and Bands, we expect Briar to continue to be a competitive deck that is also enjoyable to play against. Uh, referring to duskblade overall the blitz metagame is in a good place based on win rates from skirmish season three despite this we have heard feedback from store managers and players across the world that duskblade is simply an unfun card with common sentiment being that it creates a very one-dimensional game experience of playing versus duskblade rather than playing flesh and blood duskblade was on the watch list following its ban in classic constructed and is now being added to the blitz ban list in order to promote positive play experience Yeah, between that and the and the Errata, I I I get I get it on the Errata, right? Uh, There have been I've I've been on hybrid Briar, being able to string attacks and know that I can super efficiently block with one card coming up um, is one of the best parts about it. You know, you start lining up your uh, your defensive plays based on how many embodiments you have, and you start getting nervous when you don't have uh, embodiments. To block and your opponent knows it too right that's your that's your opponent's opportunity to pivot as a briar player when uh you've you've whiffed in some way can't leak damage and can't get your embodiments up there uh this does it, i think it changes between the ball lightning and the embodiment uh errata i think it changes pretty drastically how how briar is going to uh uh be built moving forward, and and plunder run. You're really taking a lot of uh, what you you know what used to be the legs here, right? Plunder, plunder from Arsenal, plunder, creating an embodiment of lightning into snatch for seven. If you hit draw three with a lightning press um you know in magical christmas land you know that actually kind of happened a lot more than you might think and it's really frustrating as the defending player um to really have to figure out that math and know that you know that chain's going to continue uh no matter what because you're either going to block you know either going to block out or you know they're going to do something silly uh to leak that damage over and draw their cards anyways but uh i did you know i don't know if i saw this coming that's for sure especially on the errata side
0: yeah i i'm a little i actually am a little surprised by the Arad. i think the errata is appropriate but i think i'm i'm surprised just because errata's are cumbersome and they they cause confusion yes. in the yep. game um now new players getting yep, in if they get an old briar yeah. or they don't know where to look like they right. they have you know their their stuff is is out of date and that that is effectively right,
1: the, briar, the briar i have is now not the correct briar exactly now we have to explain that to people so as the game goes on i i but i think that i think the errata is appropriate
0: i think um like there, there was comments made that as an aggro deck fundamentally Breyer did break the rules like as an aggro deck as you go you should lose resources you shouldn't gain you shouldn't be able to do all this damage and then turn around sure. and make uh, make a block for four or six with one card because you have all these embodiments so I think I
1: yeah, think that was yeah. the right call um, I think I'll, I'll say that I I thought if there if anything I thought that they would um, errata the lightning, the embodiment of lightning token, um, and uh, or both of them to include only rune blade or elemental um, actions being being what triggered it because i think one of the biggest strengths of briar and it seems to be you know kind of one of the complaints is right is is that there's so many generics run in there that if you isolated it to your elemental cards you would still be competitive but you would you would narrow the build um by, by a lot but that's just what I thought I was just reading the tea leaves I thought something like that would come around in the embodiment of lightning I'll say that the embodiment of earth token is still kind of a shock as uh, on, on my the way that I've played Briar, I still hate losing the card um, so very rarely did those embodiments come into play unless they absolutely had to and of course when they did it was great to have four or five of them which is the problem But um, I do know that it came up very far and few between. But I I could have sworn that that non-attack, the two non-attacks, creating the embodiment of lightning, uh, would have been what would have been changed. Um, But that one stays the same though. I mean, so there's there's definitely you're not losing your uh, your go again efficiency. So you can definitely make your uh, you know uh, attacks that were never meant to go again uh, still have it. But you're definitely going to have to replace plunder run now with uh with something else and i mean you've got options for like briar alone uh
0: flash is i think a good option that's a zero cost um that fuses you've got electrify
1: red mm-hmm. you've got um weave lightning's yep. good yep. like there's yeah, yeah i think the weaves right weave, weave lightning probably co- comes in right now for for plunder run i don't think there's much else i'm trying we'll to probably off see i could see maybe well, what would draw a
0: card force of nature maybe but... starting to get played in cheerios briar now um
1: yeah, yeah. Because
0: it's still a blue um, pitches. The only downside is you're not going to be able to fuse yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But if you weave, you know, you like weave lightning.
1: Yeah, definitely. Into- no, and I've seen, I've seen uh, force, uh, at least on the Blitz side of things. Um, lightning Briar with force of uh, force of nature uh, started to kind of rear its head uh, in season three um, as a nice variant, extra blue uh, for Kano matchups and. Um, um blocks i believe it blocks three uh, yes it does uh, so it'll it can yeah. no longer so, I block mean, it's, for more than a, four but still a four
0: block off and it's yep. really good uh, yeah
1: yes yes it is between that and uh pulse of candle hold is a three block that can now block max four yeah. um and uh and channel mount heroic blocks max four yeah so that uh, was we'll, well maybe we'll see I, I bet you off this we
0: do see more channel mount heroic briar now i bet you hybrid briar does become stronger um Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: maybe uh, Channel Monteroque will be next on the chopping block. Yeah, right. If this if that takes it over, I definitely know I'm I'm gonna have to make some changes in my deck. It's it's right next to me, but I've got um, I get eight ball lightnings and five plunder runs yeah. coming out, and we'll think about what what goes in there. Now, uh, something of note them. here:
0: um, Australia, and New Zealand nationals are exempt from this ban. And yeah that's a very good. point. Uh, I, I just noticed that here now. Uh, side events are still included, but the main events will be exempt. So they are keeping in yep. mind the current meta and not wanting to mess with right. Your, the
1: people's their play testing play, is still yeah. intact. They can play they can test for the current meta, which
0: is I think uh, that's a good move on LSS's part. I, uh, I applaud that. Too. Yeah, I think so. I applaud that, but wow, this yeah. is huge what is, news. Uh,
1: what about uh, what about Duskblade for you? How do you how do you feel about the Duskblade um, being
0: banned? I think it's right as well. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's Duskblade was the old him killer um, in Blitz. Um, mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. with all of this happening, though, my fear now is what happens Does fatigue become the game plan? I like immediately. I read this and I think, well, I want to sleeve up my OTK Prism list now. And um, now at least my OTK Prism list doesn't fatigue. It tries to lock you out of the game, which is, I think, a little bit more reasonable. But, like, fatigue Oldham, mm-hmm. fatigue Prism, fatigue Bravo. Yeah,
1: um,
0: right. Though, like, Briar, like, losing Ball Lightning, Briar's whole end game against uh,
1: fatigue yeah, is gone. Yeah, Briar's, yeah, it is. You can't uh, You can't stack for your, uh, right? There, old the, the game plan against Oldham was to... Pitch for your uh, sting, 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 ball, ball, ball. Yep. and now you don't have that.
0: So that's that's a that's very interesting. That's a problem. Well, I shouldn't say it's a problem, but that's an interesting uh, an interesting take. Um, I I'm excited that we're getting this news now and not like two weeks before ProQuest season uh because now we actually have time to kind of brew and, and figure out the meta a little bit before we even get everfest and this gives us something to do while we chill and wait for everfest to come which is cool because like all my brewing up to this point i was like i don't know what i'm doing i'm just brewing for fun and now i actually have purpose to brew again right
1: right yeah right there's been kind of a a lull right you j- this is january's been kind of the fun month you can kind of just uh you know do do what you want because all the you know the last competitive stuff is over. the next stuff hasn't come out yet and uh, you've been kind of flexible. Uh, but now this is, this definitely opens up some, you think there's some unintended uh, casualties here uh, with, with the bans? Um, I guess Katsu. I'm, I'm not super familiar. Yeah. Right. Katsu's plunder run plan is, is done. Yeah. Aggro Katsu um, takes a hit for sure. Turn. Um Yeah um that definitely is going to have to find some uh, alternative ways of uh getting off their big turn who um, else there that really that fundamentally um how much was ball lightning in um in Lexi variants? Yeah. Do you think that um you know what i w- do you think that's without
0: having unfortunately tested that mat- that hero as much as i'd like uh what i did find especially uh, and mind you thank thankfully the 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 band doesn't affect limited um because in limited, uh, you're, you're heavily relying on those drafted ball lightnings, uh, but in mm-hmm. um, in CC, I mean, I've seen Lexi both rely on arrows and a mix of arrows and non-arrow attack actions. So I think anybody who's looking to kind of synergize off, you know, Frazzle and Buzzbolt and um, get yeah. some extra p- yeah, points I of damage think. there is is taking a hit. Uh, Electrify sees um oh hey electrify doesn't synergize oh, no. off of um
1: ball lightning anymore you know, i think ele- electrify might go into the plunder run spot for some of these oh, guys because yeah. it's a it replaces itself yeah you you know what your electrifies your so your uh from the arsenal draw uh if played from arsenal draw a card yeah. i think that's your benefit right that's more than anything else you know plunder run gave the boost but the conditional draw card so now you're especially on hybrid um I'm going to write this down. <laughs> I'm going to have you edit this out so that <laughs> our spicy tech can go. Um, no, but right. So you're, you're uh, I think Electrify is is probably what goes in for Plunder Run. Uh, and I think it goes in easy with hybrid because you have the blue pitch anyways to um, to pay the cost and cover everything else you're doing. And you know what? Depending on what you have, um, I think that might extend Channel Mount Heroic's longevity because you're going to be easily pitching two. Uh, you can pitch two cards uh, that turn, right? If you play Electrify, pitch one, and if you have your Grasp out and uh, pitching to make a Rune chant um, or you know is, is something along those lines, you're you're going to be playing some probably some one cost uh, attack actions uh, instead of some ball lightnings but you, you're going to have uh more opportunities than you might have to keep uh channel Not heroic a lot out longer which i'm sure thrills people who are against it
0: yeah um that's i'm
1: just downloading all that now
0: that's, <laughs> yeah that's, we're we
1: are literally processing probably, this
0: as we report yeah this. right this
1: is happening in real time this is our real reaction this is this is the world's first taste of of my processing things as it happens in real time (laughs) and just blurting out the things on my mind um but that's uh that's probably where i go there um but yeah i think uh it it doesn't i mean it definitely hurts briar it'll be interesting to see how that changes things up i definitely think briar goes back to being kind of fair um i'm definitely interested to see i don't know where chain has evolved um recently where if plunder run See chains in that that funny little area because of uh you're probably going to shackle slightly more right you started shackling less because uh you weren't going you weren't going for the the blood debt route you were kind of shackling efficiently but you had those plunder runs to help uh some of that early stuff and uh you know, get your card draw in and you still had some pretty impactful attacks. Now maybe you're going back to shackling a little more aggressively because that's gonna be your main route for um access to more cards and uh you get you get back into more of an aggro uh aggro plan with Jane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I also I think it does put oldham as the boogeyman now though, It does. Right? I think that's you know, now you know Oldham's Oldham's thing is it can block right. It can block eighteen damage in a turn. That's so insane. right. Completely block out your um, your your offense. Even if you're you know you can dump your entire hand out. It can block it out. Everything's been pitched. It can fatigue you right out. Attack with the winter's will. Get your frostbite. Um, and it can stack so that you're on no cards and it hits you, you know, with an Oak and Old, uh, you know, fused. So you've got nothing left but it needs to fit. You know, it's putting so many cards, excuse me, um, it's putting so many cards back that it's, uh, you know, y- you needed to have, right? Great- Against Oldham, you had to plan for your end game sequences, right? You knew you were going almost to fatigue and Briar had the built in one, right, with sting sting ball ball yep. ball. That's no longer. So what are you what are you stacking that goes over the top at that point? Um, are you are you fishing for something crazy like a double channel and hope you get into like a tome of harvest uh, with an arsenal? Something like that? Like, you know, I'm I'm thinking from Briar's perspective, but I'm thinking from uh, I don't know. Katsu likes to have that set up there where you probably you were probably looking for a plunder run from Arsenal to start your uh, surging strike line and hoping that, you know, and, and hoping that you had most of the line in front of you uh, anyway, so you didn't have to search much for yep. it. But, um, you know, those, those end game plans that revolved around these banned cards, um, you're going to have to change. You've change, you got to change how you play that game now.
0: And I think this is in part LSS going, all right, we see that you figured out aggro. We see that you understand how to play an efficient game. Now we're going to force you to learn a new game, and we're going to force you to learn how to play a setup game and how to overcome fatigue. Now, and that's mm-hmm. going to be mm-hmm. the that's going to be kind of the next part of the game that we, as the global player base, need to figure out. And it's funny because I had this gut feeling, I had this thought a little while ago that. I think guardian is the next boogeyman. I think guardian is going to be the next rune blade. And just like that, this band comes down the line and we
1: might actually, be I think be it there. definitely hamstrings those. Um, you know, I think, you know, it's funny cause I, I think at the time and this, you know, maybe this is my inexperience talking, but you know, five minutes before this was released, um, I felt like Briar was in an okay place, even with Channel Mount Heroic being there, because it did still have the problems that LSS mentioned against uh, the Ice Heroes. Um, but um, among those two, um, and things like uh, I know Viseray was coming up and able to put Briar on its back foot and really do some damage, wins in games. Uh, you know, Chains coming out there uh in making a real impact um but there's been you know there there are other heroes out there that you're not granted maybe two of those are you know so you might have three rune blades and a couple a couple others but that's that's a story for a different day but i i felt in terms of like the individual decks you still had some uh some play uh there and even you know katsu's been coming up uh and and uh you know, been able to do some damage as well. Uh, I've seen some brews um, that been able to handle it. So it it, it just feels like uh, I LSS let Briar, you know, let the meta do its thing, and I I thought it was there um, or at least close to it. So I'm I'm, I'm a little surprised to see it now. Um, this whole uh, the the emergency ban and restricted announcement here.
0: Yeah, this is this is big uh this is way bigger than any other news we've gotten in the past few weeks and uh i'm definitely i'm glad it dropped right as it did right as we're in the midst of recording so we're able to just kind of break it down right away um i do think this is since we're doing this live this is going to cut into some of the uh other topic matter for today um i think we've got our level up moment to do still i think before that i do want to still quickly talk about uh uh the 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 two the two new spoilers we did get um the guardian card Mm -hmm. and the new hero uh why don't we first um talk about um um the guardian card macho grande card
1: macho grande
0: right off the bat Um, i'm loving the memes that are coming out with this card uh macho man randy savage uh macchiato grande uh ariana grande like just hilarious uh another thing that's amazing about her community um
1: but they are hilarious i like the best thing i like about this card is they found a picture of me to stick right on (laughs) um i don't know i don't know how they got that but there i am flexing away unbelievable (laughs)
0: um what do you do you do you see like a macho grande is a common uh it's what a seven mm-hmm. for ten in red dominate uh nine in yellow eight in blue uh blocks for three um it's just it's just a vanilla a vanilla damage but it does come with the built-in dominate uh, i've heard some people say it's kind of mm-hmm. the non-elemental version of glacial footsteps Costs one more but you yes. don't have to fuse um yep. do you do you see this making a splash in in, in guardian
1: Well, I think, uh, I definitely think the blue has room there. Um, the, uh, I don't think anyone's going to look at the yellow (laughs) too much. Um, I do think the red has... So like Glacial Footsteps, right? Um, there's some builds uh, on Oldham. You're, you have the fatigue and then you have the ones that try to finish out, right? And being able to have one of these... You know, a Glacial Footsteps at the as an endgame attack, right? A dominated um, Glacial Footsteps is, is a big hit. Um, and um, I think one of the complaints... Against Oldham, that I've heard um, is that you know it can't you know it sometimes has trouble closing out games right. You have to pitch exactly right. You're playing this fatigue strategy. You're you're doing these. uh, You have to make all these things work, and you you do you know you're blocking out a million points, um, but the actual dam the actual raw damage output is isn't quite there. It's a little lacking, right? So glacial footsteps is a big part of how. Uh, Oldham can finish games, um, but I think Macho Grande can fit into that slot as well, right? You have uh, you have an accessible uh, large attack uh, with the ability to dominate. Um, everybody loves a dominated double digit attack, um, so I think that there is definitely room there for it. Um, um, maybe something in. in in Blitz that might be more realistic to um, come around and see again um, for its particular applications. But um, I definitely see the blue making its rounds into Guardian decks, both Oldham and um, and Bravo. And I do think there's some potential on the red um, as a pretty solid finisher. And, and you know what? It's really great in commoner too. That's a we we'll not have to get into commoner right now, but I yeah, think I guess uh, so. I do think there's there's some potential there. Yeah, so um, like ten ten damage is a lot, right? No matter what how you look at it. So, uh, you know, the the blue fits right into everything guardians want to do, uh, and the red I think can uh, can definitely do some some damage. Now, if we get into not to do some overlapping here but if uh, if Valda uh, brings the ability to bring some seismic surge tokens uh, um, a red macho grande that ends up costing three whole oh, for dominated 10 you know what I'm saying that that might change how we how we feel uh, about that card at first because you know obviously Valda is gonna you know, hopefully, get some cards that produce multiple seismic surge tokens, and if you stop looking at that seven as a seven and start thinking it thinking of it as more of a uh, three or four, um, if that ability is there, I think that changes our perspective um, a little bit, especially on the red. Yeah. So, I think that's something to keep keep in mind, um, especially with Valda.
0: Yeah, I, I think ten for ten for three, ten for four. I think probably realistically four is probably what you're hoping to, to see. Macho Grande yeah, well, cost in Valda. Um, but even at that 10 mm-hmm. dominate for 4 or um, probably, I still don't see the red getting ran. Like I think if you've got access to Spinal mm-hmm. Crush or things like that, you'd rather run those. Um, yes, but the, the blue so. um, what 8 eight for eight for 4 dominate, 8 for 3 dominate, you're happy with that still. You can block with a couple cards and then pitch one card played from mm-hmm. Arsenal. Um,
1: life's good, good there. Anything else on Macho Grande? Um, no, I think it's pretty straightforward. I think it blocks for three. It can uh, the blue pitches for three. It does what you need it to do. Um, so uh, you know, I think there's there's a lot of those you know common blue guardian attacks, and uh, you know this you know this probably slots into some of the. The lesser popular ones that uh, you were just pitching out, anyways, um, because it does have that built-in dominate, so you don't have to activate Bravo um, on it. So uh, I think that will probably replace a you know insert replace those those cards everybody's running. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. A little slight upgrade on the (laughs) dominated deck.
0: Well, no, I think then that brings us into our other spoiler. Uh, This one's super interesting. I am incredibly excited for this we got to see our second hero uh of the uh of everfest uh another young hero and i think i I do think we're only going to get young heroes but this one being an elemental and being somebody we haven't gotten really a lot of support for since crucible uh a wizard uh we are seeing islander uh a young wizard young elemental uh wizard with uh an ice wizard And uh, Islander reads, um, if it's not your turn, you may play non-attack action cards with blue color strips from your arsenal as though they were instant. And whenever you play an ice card during an opponent's turn, create a frostbite token under their control. And this one is... I I was so curious as to what and how they were going to expand on the wizard class. Like, Kano seems Mm -hmm. so already so like thought out and it's like what else do you do and i think they did a really good job of saying hey we're not done with wizard we're going to present some new unique ideas and i'm i'm super excited to brew with islander uh i'm already thinking about like playing gaze the ages from arsenal or um what what's the other one uh, the, this rounds on me uh that one's another one i'm excited to play from arsenal the big thing i'm curious about is uh what um how are we
1: refilling our arsenal that's 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 where my mind went as well right uh because this the way this this sets up right now is that you're putting in one card from arsenal and you're playing it as if it were an instant uh that turn Uh, that might be the catalyst to play other things as an instant. I'm not terribly well-versed in wizard. So um, forgive me if I'm ignorant on some of the abilities there. Uh, You're going to have to... So, you know, this feels like, you know, you're going to put, depending on what goes in the arsenal, um, you have a very solid ice control deck, right? You're probably going to play your channel like frigids um go in there uh i think people at first are going to be looking for those ice cards that you're you're going to force a discard or pay kind of scenario with the uh is it winter's bright yeah uh, winter's winter's bite bite there pay Um, one or discard a card things things of that nature um but i guess um Without seeing what else is going on, um, you you're still limited on what you can play as an instant as a whole. Um, in order to take real advantage, perhaps of how that's played, you're going to have a super defensive shell. Um, unless you unless you have one of two things, right? You're going to have to have a card that um, turns it into. Uh, almost like a ranger variant, right? You're going to have to try and reload it some way and put cards in your arsenal that you can repeatedly play as instant. Which I have wondered um, if
0: we'll see the reload mechanic extend into ice cards. Um, I could see mm-hmm. possibly some, us getting something in Everfest like Wizard, Wizard Reload or Ice Reload.
1: Um, that would be really cool. Yeah. I think it's definitely kind of a necessity here if you want to do more than right it, it, the way that this looks right now, and given the existing card pool, you're you're finding one controlling card uh, to put for, to play as an instant from your arsenal, um, like a channel like frigid and then going on uh you got to imagine furthering your defense with other you know you're playing defense reactions you're doing you know you're playing your sync blues you're blocking out whatever attack or you're you're killing their attack uh in one blizzard right anything any one of those things where you're stopping uh their attack but you become this super defensive focused and then my question would be how do you how do you finish that game up i don't
0: know can you you can still stir for you
1: play that you're right you can still do your, your your crazy wizard things where you you're hitting for uh, lethal. I, I guess I don't know how how you would fish the cards so, out. I feel like like I can I still like see kanos. something
0: like because uh, you still got access to Stormstriders, uh, so you can still play. Yeah. You can still Stormstriders say play a uh, Stir the Red, yes. a Te- Red, Teach me, Teach me Wizard,
1: <laughs> Teach me Wizard because uh, I am I am I only know playing against fair. That's that's what I that's what I know. Yeah,
0: so I could still see something. Yeah, like uh, sit on your Stormstriders. You can. Um, when you get your opponent in that lethal range where it's like, so like, say if you're going to be, uh, stir the Aetherwinds into, yeah, Red Stir into, uh, Crucible, into Fork Lightning, into Metacarpus Nodes, that's 14 damage. And like, typically the, the, the thought process when you're looking for the kill with Kano is, I need to deal a, or damage plus X, where X is, your life total plus X, X is their Arcane Barrier, because that's everything beyond that is unblockable. So, if you can control the game chip your opponent down to like uh if they're running arcane barrier three you need to be get them down to 14 health um and then win the game that way that's an option i could see um you lose the ability to play off the top of your deck which is part of what makes Kano really powerful but i think the addition of the ice cards like channel Uh, Lake frigid and blizzard uh definitely help compensate for that uh slow your opponent down such as they are no longer able to just aggro you to death um i did notice um Mm -hmm. islander's health is 18 so a little bit more of a of a health buffer compared to kano you've got three more points of damage that you can uh, absorb comfortably there um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think this one though is going to be one where like just from a found a we need to see what we get from everfest that'll kind of support wizard and support ice and then also Mm -hmm. uh we're gonna need to yeah um brew it a bit and and see how it plays out um but i am i am so excited to brew with islander like i keep refreshing fab db just to see if like she's up on like the build with heroes yet just so i can start tinkering with her on tts
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now do you um um were you were you around when crucible
0: came out i wasn't around when crucible came out but i was around for part of the crucible meta and like seeing kano be as dom- and kano's still dominant in blitz um
1: but y- i was around for part of it um what was i asked because um do you think Everfest is going to introduce enough new cards to be able to fuel something like this hero. And like we've seen Valda, uh, a Bright Axe with a brand new type of an ability, uh, does something new with Seismic Surge tokens. You know, odds are good that we're going to find some new variants on heroes. Do you think that there's going to be a card base exclusively in everfest that would help support um these these guys into viable decks. i think so um was crucible like that uh, i suppose was i know there's a lot of crucible cards now and like in warrior and he said wizard um did those completely like change did crucible completely change the landscape? um yeah Crucible of, of of the game like enough there were there enough cards there and do you think that everfest is going to have enough cards there to uh, impact it in that kind of <clears throat> in that
0: kind of I way i do believe so uh crucible from from my understanding crucible completely flipped the meta on its head kano was not viable mm-hmm. before crucible and uh like yeah. for, for an example and like uh warrior was completely like once we got the addition of spoils of war and warrior that was so meta dominating and then like kasai became like kasai was instantly viable um like mm-hmm. the cash in mechanic copper tokens all that was so good in in both warriors um the yeah they're I fully expect Everfest to flip the meta on its head. And I it's you know compared to our like there's just just shy of 200 cards we're getting in Everfest. And um that's it's I think it's 198 is what it is or something like that. And it's the same actually card count as we got in Crucible. And it won't be much and like we have since since um Crucible's release we've seen the addition of one class yeah we got um illusionist we saw the addition of talents and i think that's going to make things interesting I'm, I'm curious to see how how ellis i i think lss is capable of providing support for every every hero in every class not maybe like partly like, it won't be perfect but um i i think they'll like I think whatever they've got up their sleeve they're going to do a good job of of providing the global support we need for 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 the the most part for the meta um and on top of that i'm really curious to see what easter eggs they
1: uh they provide yeah me too i am definitely intrigued um, on what they're going to bring there i guess i the seeing the seeing uh, seeing the Wizard now and the Guardian, uh, it's just interesting to think about like how many right, like how many cards you need to make something like that work, and if you're going to have those cards available to you all, you know, all in that one set. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a curiosity, and it, it, I, I because because there's more, right? There's more coming. There's a lot of different. There's going to be a lot of variety. Uh, in this uh hopefully a lot more fun stuff uh happening i think uh people are very intrigued uh by uh icelander here and in valda so i think it's on the right track um and uh um i guess i'm i'm excited more anything <laughs> else uh, i like to see what they're what they're going to do uh what they're going to do with the set so that i can uh i can uh uh, spend way too much money uh on it (laughs) yeah oh god
0: yeah um i I, going into the ProQuest season only having two weeks to actually like get all the cards i need and (laughs) yeah it's um yeah it's a good thing that flesh and blood is my only hobby currently because it's uh it's an expensive and all time
1: consuming hobby um yeah i am i am fortunate to have a uh Birthday close enough oh, where good. I know what I'm uh, I'm asking for. I'm asking for some money for some flesh and blood. Perfect. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Level up.
0: This week on uh, the level up moment, um, and this actually falls in perfectly um, with just the, the the new spoilers we've got in the new the new banner or the new set coming out the new banner restricted updates we've just got in because um, now there's going to be so much to figure out and adapt to. Um, we wanted to this week uh, touch on something that uh, is an integral tool to reading meta and that is the archetype triangle Um, this is something that i think like a lot of higher level um guys who come from magic know a bit about this and um uh, anybody who wants to play high level flesh and blood a either already knows about it or should know about it um but it's it's a pretty simple concept for anybody who's newer to the game as well Um, and and the archetype triangle is is as simply put as you can think of uh, obviously a triangle and at at the three ends of it you've got um, you've got control at one end you've got uh, combo or setup uh, on uh, to the if controls at the top combo is uh, at the the bottom right and then aggro is at the bottom left and and then uh, beyond that mid-range or uh, in and and in flesh and blood mid-range being a very different or a different concept than in, in other games where, um, like in magic, if mid range is like value creatures in some disruption while still having some aggro, I think mid range is a bit more in, in this in flesh and blood, the ability to pivot and the ability to present either via sideboard or just throughout, um, the, the game just through card inclusion already uh, the ability to pivot from say like a, a control strategy to a setup strategy to uh, uh, an aggressive strategy Yeah, mid-range sitting yeah, at the middle of the triangle the the whole purpose of the triangle is to be able to map out if my opponents doing X then I probably need to do Y or Z to overcome it and so the way I basically think of it uh, as simply put is Aggro beats combo or setup, combo or setup beats control, and control beats aggro. So and mm-hmm. that's to say mm-hmm. that uh, your combo or your setup is what you're doing like, because control is is, is making a. Uh, 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 Or including a set of cards that allow you to block out uh, as much of what your opponent is trying to present as possible and old tim emphasizes this the best and and bravo probably the second best where it's they just block they can block out as much damage as is presented and just uh, negate all their opponents big threats and then uh once their opponent's out of threats then they they either win through the fatigue route or through just then turning around and presenting bigger threats than their opponent can 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 overcome and can, that 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 strategy works great for for beating out aggro and aggro is just being able to present a fast hard hot strategy that overwhelms your opponent before your opponent's able to counteract or do anything to to over um to to enact their game plan and that aggro strategy beats the the setup strategy so well because the setup strategy is trying to maybe play out energy potions or or put together a certain amount of cards that once they all play out together um play out a something that is so overwhelming that your opponent can't do anything about it which then comes back around suit and overcomes the control strategy do you have anything to add to that
1: yeah so i come i uh, am an aggro player so um one of the things about that the archetype triangle uh that i believe is that uh, in order to have a healthy trading card game um i think that triangle needs to exist um as soon as you're uh, a two-dimensional game where you're facing aggro for you know one archetype versus the other are the only two viable archetypes i think that's a bad sign mm. for a trading card game so when a game does have at least that triangle and perhaps more um then i think you're presenting with a healthy game um coming from uh like said, from an aggro perspective here um i so aggro to me in flesh and blood is um starting Starting on the attack and pressing the tempo advantage from turn one all the way through uh aggro's vulnerabilities come from the idea that it can whiff it can falter and it can be pivoted on uh easily um when that happens right if you're able to maintain that pressure and that tempo advantage throughout the game uh your opponent doesn't have a chance right which is why combo and setup i think uh, match up pretty pretty poorly with it, uh, because it really wants to start on the back foot, which is exactly where aggro wants to be, right? So you're playing into aggro's, um, um, into its play style, and you're not presenting anything back, uh, for that pivot. Control, on the other hand, um, can negate what aggro is doing and, um, and cause it to falter, um. Or make choices that it can it doesn't want to. Um, after a while, so you have like those fatigue type, uh, you know, those strategies, those those life gain, you know, strategies where you're you're in that super defensive shell. You're you're you have too much life for for the aggro deck to even uh, you know capitalize on, or or even accrue enough damage on. And then once you're uh, um, you know once you're out of gas, there you might not be able to present. Uh, lethal, no matter what. Uh, you know, Agro Katsu uh, is uh, a pretty famous advantage, uh, or, or uh, 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 famous uh, version of that, right? So, if your Agro Katsu runs into that that control deck and you've burnt out all your reds and all you have, you know, you run into that situation where you got nothing but blues. You might be able to try and Kadachi can get you know Kadachi them to death, but if they're at fifteen life, you're, you're not really doing uh much to their game plan at that point um it does what these different things uh these different archetypes do present um is your uh you know it it helps determine how you sideboard and what you're going to do with your deck so you know flesh and blood sideboards seem to be um one's sideboards sometimes transition you into versions of these other archetypes, right? They start shifting you around. If you think of this archetype triangle and that flesh and blood is kind of on a spectrum in that triangle and you know, you have your little imaginary abacus beads uh, constantly shifting one way uh, or the other up those, uh, up the uh, vertices, I'm not strong on math. I think that's what they're called. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, being able to sideboard and adapt to those different strategies is where that comes into play. Being able to identify what your deck is, um, what its weak points are, um, and how to work around those weak points is how you can become more successful at the game. Right. So control beats aggro unless aggro finds a way to work around control. Yes. And if it can do that... Now you're you know now you're cooking with fire here, right? Combo setup loses uh, to aggro unless it finds a way to work around. Now, as we discuss control, uh, you know, has has an advantage over aggro. Combo setup, I'm thinking uh, when I see combo, I'm thinking OTK viscerai. Uh when, when you say combo setup, correct me if I'm wrong. We can edit it out if if it is. Oh I know one hundred percent I agree. Like
0: combo like that's a classic
1: okay. example of a combo. <clears throat> like I mean that's
0: that's probably right, combo that's, control that's my babe. where it's like
1: there well right so that's right, your your base O T K Viserai build um, is 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 a setup right right is pure setup you want your rune chance you're looking to build up enough rune chance to break your skeleton into you know into sonata and you know murder your opponent in in one fell swoop right quintessential combo setup against uh, an aggro deck if you don't have that uh, if you don't have everything you need immediately, right there, sometimes where you get the nuts and you're able to get your rune chance and you can combo off, which is great. Um, if you don't get exactly what you need, all of a sudden you have, you know, you have. What used to be ball lightnings and you know generic attacks. Excuse me, uh, generic attacks with go again. You know with Briar, uh, uh, Katsu coming at you with a bunch of ninja attacks, and you're on the back foot. You've lost your. Uh, you, you're on that back foot. You can't pivot. You can't set up your combo, and you're dead before you can have an opportunity to crack it, or you're forced to crack it early, and and you whiff. Right. That's exactly what Agra wants yeah. to do. Visrai sideboard has a lot more defensive strategy to it and helps pivot or, you know, helps transition OTK Viscerae into more of that control type. And that once it starts shifting over there, it starts to have a better game against that aggro, uh, you know, against that aggro deck. And now you can start to, to stretch things out a little bit and you can delay your setup because you have more control cards in there. And aggro now has to play a longer game than it wants to and now it has to worry about splattering up. Yeah. That is my that so I that relationship between all of those and flesh and blood sideboards is I think quintessential in what we're what we're talking about here on uh, being able to level up. Um, recognizing a your deck archetype. Um <laughs> and understanding that you know there there are some like prism right prism has a very transitional sideboard it can play it is very versatile um uh, but being being able and but that's why it's 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 a great deck um but it's all, uh, and it's also very complicated to pilot right good good pilots on a prism deck know how to sideboard for specific matchups and be able to move that um you know that kind of archetype descriptor one way or another and play around with what it can do, um, in any given matchup. And, you know, viscerize the same way, right? It's very versatile. It's sideboard, um, can help it move to, uh, you know, different styles of, of gameplay, which matter depending on, on your matchup here. Um, so recognizing your deck archetype, um, what your sideboard plan should be and what it's, uh, what it's meant to do, whether it's, uh, um, a few key cards for a matchup where your your deck will never change what it's doing, um, but perhaps you're putting in a couple extra six attacks for Prism, uh, or uh, you know some extra Command and Conquers for uh, you know an Arsenal. Loving hero, um, or you know something more transitional where you're going from a aggro mid range to more of a control by throwing in, you know maybe throwing in nine D reacts or something like that. But it, and, and in still maintaining your core uh, core game plan there. Um, but that is, uh, I think that is that's kind of what what we're talking about here. Yeah, exactly. And
0: I, I think yeah, moving forward, like if you're able to um a uh identify what it is you're doing or what it is you're trying to do or be able to like if if you're able to identify what's going on in your meta so that you can then overcome it with uh, a focused strategy that'll be the the where you'll uh you'll find your level up within understanding the archetype triangle and using it to your advantage i think that brings us into the end of episode seven of um the combat chain podcast um big episode, lots uh lots to dive into some big changes for the for the for the the combat chain um really excited that you guys are here alongside us for it um before we wrap up here um uh, as always, you can find us um, anywhere you listen to podcasts on uh, Apple Music, on uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever uh, we're on. Um, we're also on YouTube. Uh, we are uh, Pat and I are going to be sitting down here over the next little bit to dive in and figure out some good video content for uh, for you all as well. Um, Pat, uh, you are on Twitter. What's your uh, Twitter
1: handle? You can find me on Twitter at Pat Smash Good. Um, and that is where you can find me on all the relevant social medias and, uh,
0: and on Discord. And then on top of that, we do have uh, myself. I am starting to play around with Twitter more. You can find me at FomTooleryTCG, F O M T O O L E R Y. PCG. Uh, you also have our um, our uh, our combat chain um, uh, Twitter uh, www the Twitter forward slash the combat chain or just at the combat chain. Um, we are on uh, Patreon as well. We are starting to try to launch that um, just because uh, we do have uh, there there are some small little fees with um, hosting and uh, what have you that. Um, if we could get covered, we would be incredibly grateful for. Um, now our Patreon is a little hard to find. For some reason, we're not, we're not big enough yet is the reality. So um, you can't just uh, Google search the combat chain or uh, search us on Patreon, uh, unfortunately. But uh, I will link everything in the YouTube profile. We are available on, um, uh, if you guys just want to email us and um, ask any questions, thecombatchain at gmail.com. And then lastly, um, we are on YouTube just at uh, 28 subscribers so far, and we'd like to see that grow. Um, So we've decided we're going to do a little bit of a a, a giveaway here. Uh, We're going to do a 100 subscriber giveaway. So at the 100 subscriber mark, we will um, go and randomly select somebody from our subscriber list. And uh, they will be, uh, we've got a little uh, prize package put together here. Uh, We're going to have a a couple uh, Game Genic deck boxes, as well as a, a cold foil data doll. So that's kind of fun. Uh, yeah, lots going on. Yeah, I think that's everything. Uh, Pat, once again, welcome to uh,
1: the Combat Chain. We're uh, really excited to have you. I'm excited to be a part of it. This is this has been fantastic. I look forward to doing this. Cool. A bunch more times. I am. Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, and uh, I think that's everything. And in, uh, until next week, uh, we're
0: uh, we're closing, closing the, the Combat, combat Chain. <laughs>
1: that that happened we got we got breaking news i wasn't even